You're listening to Diplomatic Dispatch, brought to you by Idea Farm Malaysia. Get updates on our upcoming episodes and programs via our website at www.ideafar.gov.my or follow us on our social media at Ideafar Malaysia. Welcome to this edition of Diplomatic Dispatch. Just to provide some context so that listeners, whenever they listen to this, know the time frame in which this episode is being recorded. Today is the 20th of March, 2023. The Russia-Ukraine conflict is still going on. Sweden and Finland applied to join the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, or NATO, and as of today, 28 of the 30 member states of NATO have ratified both countries' application, paving the way for them to be accepted as full members of the organization. Just two weeks ago, the President of Turkey, President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, has indicated that his country has no objection to Finland's accession to NATO, removing one more hurdle for this Scandinavian country in their bid to be a NATO member. This is how things stand as of right now. So, this episode of Diplomatic Dispatch will have Ambassador John K. Samuel, Malaysia's ambassador to Finland, weighing in on Finland's bid into NATO and speaking frankly with us about what that means, both for Finland and for the rest of the world. Incidentally, John brings with him his experience of more than four years being stationed in Russia at the Malaysian Embassy in Moscow. Welcome, Ambassador John Samuel. Thank you so much, Dr. Shaslina, and uh, the rest of the team there for arranging this. Okay, when talking about Finland-NATO relations, we have to look at it starting from before February 24, 2020, after February 24, 2020, and the fact that they have had relations before, and they still do have. And then the repercussions of Finland's actions and the effect of it on Malaysia. So before 24th of February, 83% of Finns said that they do not think that Finland should join NATO, 83%. Now, in 2023, after the invasion, 80% of Finns said that Finland should join NATO. So there was a drastic change within that period of time. What brought about this change? What do you think was the catalyst to it, apart from the invasion? Okay, that was the main catalyst. Until then, the Finns always felt that Russia will not be that aggressive, number one. Number two, if Finland joins any form of uh, military alliance with the West, they will lose out at the end of the day because they share a border of 1,340 kilometers. But this percentage that you, you were saying about, 83%, uh, and then uh, versus the 80%, that's that's quite significant. Now, uh, you were saying, Ambassador John, about how Finland has, um, it's, not, it's not something new uh, for Finland to be, uh, to have relations with NATO. We know that in 1994, um, yes. it, uh, it had started uh, official relations with NATO. Uh, but uh, that, that pivotal moment in, on, on the 18th of May, 2022, uh, you were there on the ground in Finland. What was the mood like 
why did they then decide to submit their membership uh, to NATO? See, there was already a build up. Okay. Prior to them agreeing to submit their application to join NATO, in Finland, what uh, there is the system called Citizens Initiative where if the citizens can get 50,000 signatures, they can bring that subject to parliament and MPs will have to debate on it. So that can be as simple as keeping an area within Helsinki as a green lung area. So this was one of the other initiatives that the citizens raised, wanting to join NATO. And in countries, in the in Scandinavian countries, a lot of movements, a lot of decisions are made based on what the public wants. So, so in this case, informing is the public yes. informing the policymakers. Correct. So this was just basically another excuse. But the members of parliament had already decided. In fact, recently when they decided that uh, officially, yes, they are going to join NATO. One hundred and eighty-eight members of parliament agreed to joining NATO. Only eight did not agree. Uh, but there were reasons for them not agreeing to that decision. So first and foremost, you had this invasion of Ukraine. That prompted the members of parliament to start raising this issue in parliament. And then you had the citizens raising, <coughs> raising this issue and bringing up their point of view with their parliament, parliamentarians. Number three, suddenly this fear of Russia is not as nice as they seem to be. Number two, we can no longer, there's no point of us being nice to them anymore because it defeats all purposes because now we see what they have done to Ukraine. Number three, it is only the natural journey for them to be part of NATO, to join this Western alliance. Something which they have been, like you mentioned earlier, they have been active uh, carrying out NATO activities all this while. 1994, 1997, they have also sent peacekeepers for NATO operations. In fact, they have also agreed to maintain NATO military equipment here in Finland. So this relationship has been going on for some time. But wanting to agree to accede to NATO, that is an was an entirely different story. Something which they didn't want to venture into until the invasion. So, so do you see this more as a formalization of... Um... Uh, an in, uh, intent that had been building up even prior to the invasion in 2022? Yes and no. If Russia had not invaded Ukraine, things would remain status quo. Just work with NATO, cooperate with them, take part in some of their joint exercises, but do not officially be part of NATO because that means you'll be antagonizing Russia, something which they never wanted to do and something now they're doing not out of choice. Okay. It's, I mean, it makes perfect sense uh, that in international relations, if you don't need to make an enemy, why would you want to? Um, yeah, but but uh, in terms of Finland and Russia, what what is the trade like? Is there any trade, any um, cooperation uh, uh, that is quite substantive between the two countries? Currently, no. They have stopped the import of oil, stopped the import of uh, gas. They have also stopped um, all Finnish companies in Russia have pulled out. They have sold their stake there. Okay. Uh, previously, yes, trade was very close, not one of the highest among European Union countries, but it was going on, especially border trade. I've gone, I've gone to towns where they will sell firewood to Russians. Oh. I've gone oh. to towns where their main source of income 
were from Russian tourists. And all these small towns have been badly affected from probably 90% of uh, Russian guests. Now they only have 5%. And these are students who are already in the country. Uh, Russians, Russian families who are already in the country because they can't cross now unless they're a student or for medical reasons or the other reason is because they've got family members. Apart from that, they're not allowed to come to enter Finland. Ambassador, you brought up a very valid point just now, a very uh, important point, uh, especially for those countries which are heavily reliant on uh, Russian gas, Russian oil. Um, Finland uh, is one of those countries. How is it looking at uh, for, the, for the winter of 2023? Alternate sources from other EU countries, they don't have a choice here. In fact, the decision to stop importing of Russian oil, Russian gas took a while because they needed to make sure that, uh, you know, internally they were prepared. They had an alternate source. And once they had identified that alternate source, which is from other European Union countries, then they stopped the import of everything and anything from Russia. They had to because they had to show a certain amount of solidarity with the EU. And one, number two, uh, like mentioned before, if anything were to happen, if the Russians were to extend westward, the first EU country is actually, uh, that shares the longest border, is Finland. Yes. In terms of Finland joining NATO, mm -hmm. other than, other than uh, the, this whole idea of the security pact, of uh, increasing its defense uh, against um, a neighbor, um, what are the other advantages for Finland joining NATO? Actually, if you ask the Finns, they will see that we have got we have more to give NATO than the other way around. Oh, okay. They have got one of the most modern military, sorry, not military, army in the whole of Europe. <laughs> they can mobilize 300,000 conscripts within three days and be battle ready. 300,000? Yes. Wow, that's a lot. So they have no issues about uh, doing it alone. However, uh, this goes back to history also. The Winter War, when they fought against the Soviet Union at that time, they had the Germans to help them. Ironically, it was the, it was the Nazi eh, who actually mm -hmm. assisted them. And they went into Soviet Union first and then followed by the Finnish soldiers. So it is one of the reasons of joining NATO is we can fight the Russians. However, we don't want to do it alone. Then it becomes very personal. Now, if we have got a group of people fighting against the Russians, mm. then it cannot be pinpointed that it's just Finland or it's just uh, Estonia or it's just Latvia. It is NATO against Russia. Yeah. So it's always good to go in a group rather than to do it individually. Of course, mm -hmm. them joining NATO also means they lose this position of being the peacemaker, being a neutral state. Uh, and also having to deal with other countries within NATO whom they're not very close to, whom they feel do not share the same Western values, do not share the same definition of what human rights is. That's also there. But they don't have a choice. They can't do this alone. And that is why initially they wanted to do it with Sweden, join a seat to NATO together. Unfortunately, that does not seem to be happening. And I don't think that is going to happen because Turkey has already, Turkey and Hungary has said that we don't have any issues with Finland, with Sweden, hold on first. See, before the next NATO meeting in uh, Lithuania, I think that's in July, mm -hmm. 
I I foresee that Turkey will agree to Finland, Turkey and Hungary will agree to Finland's ascension to NATO. Which means that so uh, Finland is likely to join NATO first. Yes, because NATO understands that at the end of the day, when Finland joins NATO, it's to their benefit also. It's not a one-way street. Mm. Many of the smaller countries will end up relying so much more on NATO than the other way around. Mm. So in this case, NATO benefits. And also at one time, Finland was the closest EU country to Russia. The president had met President Putin several times. They could talk. Putin was very comfortable with President Salinesto. Of course, now the scenario has changed, the landscape has changed, and because of that, Finland has also back, not backtracked, but they've stepped, what, they've gone one step behind and they've said that, okay, now we cannot deal with Russia how we used to deal with Russia. In his own words, he said that the mask has finally fallen. So NATO benefits from Finland's uh, ascension. And, and, and that makes sense because uh, uh, now that the world has changed, you can't, you can't rely on um, old friends anymore. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to talk to you, Ambassador, there was always that idea that if Finland, even in 2014 was the first time that it was first floated, mm. that if Finland ever joined NATO, that would be the beginning of World War III. I gather that's not the sentiment on the ground anymore? No, no. I, I think people know what is at stake. Mm -hmm. And uh, Russia not liking Finland joining NATO, it's more of the fact that, you know, you've always been close to us. Why do this to us now? Ambassador, you are singularly unique in the sense that you have served in Moscow. You've spent, what was it three years, four years there? Four oh, years, five eight months. Years. <laughs> they forgot about me there, you know. <laughs> well, it's not a bad place to be forgotten <laughs> in terms of postings. So you you bring with you um, that the insight as to how Moscow would think, I'm, and I'm sure it's it's roughly the same people in Moscow. What is the end game? Do you think? Okay, <clears throat> when I was in Moscow in 2000, 1999, Putin came to power, mm -hmm. and after that, we had the Chechen war. That was going on and then we had ukraine was in 2014 georgia was much later uh, but you had other issues whereby we saw how putin deals with a crisis we had the beslan school hostage crisis you had the dubrovka theater hostage crisis and uh, how he dealt with the chechens he's like a cat you push him to the corner he is going to scratch and he doesn't give two hoots who gets hurt in that process, number one. Number two, Putin is very different from his predecessor, Yeltsin, or even before that, Gorbachev. Very, very different. Yeah. These people did not have this idealistic idea of wanting to reunite Soviet Union. Putin has that. He wants to leave a legacy behind. And how best to do that? Bring the Soviet Union back together. We'll bring back all those states that today think that they did what they have achieved what they have is simply because of their own ability. It was Soviet Union that helped them. They have to give recognition to that. And if they don't, then I'll rein them in. So the end result is at the end of the day, he wants to bring back, he wants to revive this mentality of having. Yes, 
And that's the legacy that he wants to leave. And that's extremely dangerous. You know, coming back to uh, Finland and NATO, truthfully, as a Malaysian, what does it mean to us? Nothing much. <laughs> and that's about it. You're going to deal with a Finland that is going to look at itself as being more important, mm -hmm. more powerful. Yep. So it's not because uh, Finland has changed, but it's simply because now it has to behave as such. It has been a very quiet country. Generally, that is how the country is. That's how the people are. Very quiet, very reserved, very introvert. But you know, the, 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 the Finns have always been known for uh, peace mediation. The Helsinki process was one of those things that mm -hmm. really took off. Uh, uh, former Prime Minister uh, Artisari, mm -hmm. former president, uh, president, was yeah. president was one of those brokers uh, for peace that were, uh, you know, well-respected within the field. Um, is all of that now going to go down the drain? It will no longer be seen as a peace mediator because it's no longer aligned. Uh, uh, sorry, it is now aligned. Previously, it used to profess and trumpet and propagate this idea of that we are being non-aligned. And there was a reason why. Because they were next to Russia. If you are seen to be too close to the West, the Russians won't like it. In fact, after Second World War, when the Americans were dishing out under this Marshall aid plan, you know, finance, uh, what do you call it, fi money to help rebuild the country, Finland did not accept any money from them under the Marshall plan, Marshall aid, Marshall aid plan. Marshall plan, yeah. Marshall plan. Simply because they did not want to antagonize Russia. Mm. But today, by them being part of NATO, they are no longer non-aligned. They are aligned. But even having said that previously, being non-aligned, I think that is um, a term that is used so broadly. The fact that you are non-aligned means you are aligned to something. <laughs> you are aligned uh, to a principle. Correct. Which works according to your own national interest. Yeah. No country does things out of the goodness Fratitude. of their heart, yeah. Yes, yeah. it's everything yeah. based on national interest. And at yeah. that time, being non-aligned was part of their national interest. Today, joining NATO is part of their national interest. So the effect on Malaysia, we'll be dealing with a country that's a lot more, uh, let's see, I wouldn't say cocky, but feeling, having the sense of we are now powerful, yep. we are now important, and therefore when you deal with us, look at us in that lens. Interesting. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a frank discussion with Ambassador John Samuel, Malaysia's ambassador to the Finland. It is a frank discussion. The views that are propagated are entirely our own. It is not the views of the government of Malaysia and it is meant for to allow this good, robust discussion to take place. So we thank you, Ambassador John, and we wish you all the best. And hopefully we will see you again on Diplomatic Dispatch. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tato. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Tune in for more episodes of the IDFR podcast, Diplomatic Dispatch. Thank you for listening.